Greetings from the Murder of Grey podcast. Where we look behind the curtain of our own minds. Alright, let's have some fun. Welcome to the Murder of Grey podcast, where each week we bring you different moral and ethical dilemmas that we have found while scouring the internet. Where we ask the dumb questions so you don't have to. And as always, I'm Christian. And I'm Chris. And welcome back, you guys. Thank you for joining us for another fund up conversation that we have here. Um, and we have a very interesting one here. We've, we've, you know, we've done some research and we found some really... I guess like kind of like cringy medical practices. So, I mean, medical practices throughout the years have always been kind of awkward, I would say, especially the ones when you look at for the like the practices of the past, because we Mm -hmm. just didn't know exactly what we were doing. Right. So it's just, you know, poke here, cut this off, see what happens, maybe inject something weird. Who knows? Right. Like it's all experimentation. And now looking back at it, you could say it's immoral uh, that we were wrong to do that. Like, how could we put people through those kind of ordeals or even animals in some instances, which we will be discussing today as well. But those practices did give us the modern science and modern medicine we have today. So I guess the overarching question for today's topic is, are these medical practices of the past actually a bad thing and should we have not done it because it did put people and animals lives in danger right there's a lot of that going on (laughs) and then we will also be discussing some things that are going on now we've touched on different topics in different episodes of how some people are trying to cheat death and battle their way to you know the fountain of youth in a pill form and there are some more wonderful CEOs out there who are now, uh, you know, trekking across this endeavor to seek immortality in a sense. And they're doing some weird stuff, guys. <laughs> some definitely strange things. But before we really dive into these topics, I want to ask you, Chris, like the when you look at because we've we've been looking at some weird stuff lately. Yeah. For this, When you look at some of these, like I would say medieval practices or early medical practices, which I feel like this will definitely be a continued topic throughout this show because there's just so much out there. Like what's your, you know, instant gut reaction to some of the practices that we did of the past? I mean, some of them are really bad, but you have to remember I mean, they didn't have the internet, so they just kind of have to play around, do different things. But it's, I mean, some of the things they did, it kind of seemed like common sense. You just wouldn't do it. You know, yeah, like it, yeah. it, like I, I was reading a few for this episode and I was just like, why would they even think that works? Like, I understand like, oh, if you want to test to see if you can grow back a body part, you cut off an arm. I mean, obviously, we we know it doesn't. But back then, like that would make sense. I mean, did you know before we did it? Like, I'm going to play devil's advocate here when right now, because if we're just studying nature and we're just trying to figure that stuff out, if you cut a lizard's tail off, it does grow back. Starfish Mm -hmm. can grow back their limbs. So who's to say that we can't do the same thing if we don't know? 
right? If you yeah. lose a thumb and you're studying, you know, marine biology and you see different types of fish species out there who are accomplishing this and regrowing their limbs, wouldn't you be kind of curious back in the day? Or do you think that's just too much of a risk? <laughs> I I think, you know, depending on the individual, I think I could see someone actually trying that back then, you know, especially when you look at some of the other practices that they were they were doing it honestly wouldn't be too far off of what they were already trying mm -hmm. in just other weird ways. But I mean, it's, you would think back then they'd be like, Oh, well, I wonder what they have that we don't, but they also lacked really any kind of tools to test that out. You know, they didn't really have microscopes back then. They didn't have all that stuff, you know? So it's like, the primitivity of it, it, it would, yeah. I mean, I could see people doing dumb things like that to figure it out, but I mean, that's where we are today. Like all those mishaps and weird practices kind of got us to what we have now. And yeah, yeah. a lot of them are morally wrong. And, you know, I honestly don't understand why we always test on mice because it's like, I feel like it's not super proportionate to us, but yeah. Like if it was pigs, then that would make a little bit more sense. But I feel like the bigger the animal is, the more people fight back against that, mm -hmm. you know. But I, I think the mice thing is because they reproduce so quickly that they're yeah. able to see generations worth of information very fast. But the problem is like their genetic makeup isn't very similar to ours. So how do we know exactly what is going to happen if it does get introduced to us? Or, you know, like I'm not a scientist, I mean, didn't say, so I'm not 100% sure the correlation or the connections between those two. But just from, you know, an outsider standpoint, it does seem weird, like you said, that we do study so much on mice and then just go straight to human trials after the fact, instead of getting something like closer to our own bodies, like pigs, right? That makes sense. Or Even monkeys. I was thinking, well, yeah, monkeys would be another thing too. But I was thinking, you know, like if they wanted to test on a human, you know, there's two ways they could go about it. There's, you know, offer compensation to the person who'd be willing. Like mm. here, we're going to give you this amount of money to test it. And, you know, it's like if you're really fine with it kind of thing. Right. Or, and this is something I kind of always thought about when I was younger. And I mean, nowadays I can see why, you know, people would be against it. But I was always wondering like, People that are like on death row or, you know, are just sentenced to die. Like there's mm -hmm. no hope. Like why don't like they could offer these people on death row like, hey, like if you partake in these experiments, like, you know, you'll have like, you know, money for their books and shit. Right. Um, or at least money for the family or something. Right. Like, Yeah. Money for the family. That's a good idea. I don't even think yeah. about that. But they could do that because, I mean, they're just sitting there and i mean if they're willing to try it why not you know it's going to be closer to our actual body because it's another human yeah i mean i can i can see <clears throat> i can hear all like the humane <laughs> like the <laughs> the people like screaming right now like it's so inhumane but I, it makes sense right like where you would test on something similar to what you're actually going to be injecting right like or working on so it's 
yeah, I mean, I, I totally get where you're coming from. But at the same time, my body wants to cringe and be like, like, like these prisoners who are there, like giving them that, like, right. Like it almost feels like we're testing on mice again. Right. But it's just mm-hmm. with humans in a different situation where they don't feel like they've lost all hope. So why not just do this? Right. Like it might bring the end sooner or something. So I, ooh. <laughs> Like, I can totally see where you're coming from, but at the same time, I'm like, it's very, it's a hard thing, too, to think mm-hmm. about. But yeah, they, they've de- definitely done some weird things with mice more, like, more frequently. We've tested on every kind of animal you can think of. We've sent a monkey into space to see what would happen. We, yeah. we even sent a dog into space to see what would happen, and then that did not go well at all. Uh, and that went catastrophically, unfortunately. Uh, um but we've done some really strange experiments to <clears throat> animals throughout history, like we mentioned. And there's one <laughs> in particular that stood out to me. Um, and so before I get into what actually happened, I want to kind of touch on what came from it. So we can kind of, I guess, see maybe the reasoning behind it, even though the story itself is pretty messed up, right? The, the practices that they did is very concerning. And I'm very happy that we don't do this kind of stuff anymore. And this is definitely in the realm of the primitive, you know, medical practices that we, you would think like, oh, common sense says don't do this. But they had to know, I guess, for the, the seek of knowledge, right? Like that whole thing. But so with this practice, we did end up getting blood transfusions. Um, and they were able to give that to the world, which is a huge thing. And it saves countless of lives every single day, which is fantastic. But how they got there, little sketchy, little <laughs> messed up. So, a little. <laughs> just a wee bit. So let's take it back. So we're in the, the 1600s. So this is very early science. They're still... They don't have the tools. They don't even know how to st- keep things sterile, right? Like this is during the time where they couldn't figure out why pregnant women were dying during pregnancy or delivery. Um, whenever it turns out, it was just because the doctors weren't washing their hands in between things and they were just bringing blood and rot and things into other people's bodies. But so this is that kind of time frame, just to kind of set the scene a little bit. But Richard Lauer, who was a scientist during this time, He was very curious about veins. He was trying to figure out exactly what do veins do, the the bloodstream, like, and they were trying to just, you know, get more information, get more knowledge on it. They didn't know if it, like, the exact importance of blood, the bloodstream itself, like, what did it actually transport around the body? Why was it continuously flowing? All that information was completely, you know, unknown to them which now like thinking back at it it's like okay this is stuff you learn in elementary school but remember this is stuff that they never studied during that time so in order to kind of figure out what (laughs) the bloodstream actually does uh, Richard Lauer had a theory that it was able to transport nutrition to various organs throughout the body and that's pretty I mean it's almost there right like it's kind of makes sense but the way that he studied this or tested this theory is completely horrible. So trigger warning. Sorry, guys, this is kind of a messed up situation. But so, (laughs) gosh, this is so horrible. So Lauer ended up taking a dog and he filled the entire dog with soup. (laughs) 
So he injected soup into their veins, into their bloodstream, because he thought that the bloodstream just carried various nutrients throughout the body. And he was trying to figure out if we could eliminate eating by just injecting (laughs) soup or food or nutrition directly into our bloodstream. And I'm pretty sure you guys can figure out exactly what happened. Um, They... Yeah, they filled this dog up with soup and it died. Like, what else was going to happen there? Like, it, it, unfortunately, the broth actually ended up curdling in the animal's veins and seized blood, blood flow completely. So, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. But, I mean, for the sake of science, I, eh, like, nah. not really. So, I feel like this definitely falls into the category that you mentioned earlier of, studies and experiments that we should have known better (laughs) right yeah like there has to have been some sort of common sense in play to really just come on guys but then at the same time they didn't know how important washing your hands was in between operations or stuff like that like a doctor might give a you know start messing with a cadaver and then he'll go deliver a baby right afterwards so it's I mean, their mindset just wasn't there. So their sen- their common sense level was at a very different, I guess, frame of reference than ours. I don't know the best way to put it, but God, that is tough. Ugh, poor puppy. It's like, I don't know, you think like anything else but like soup, you know? It's not like soup is like the most nutrient-rich thing you can have. Like, it's just... I don't know, you think they would have experimented like by using another blood or something like that. Mm. Was the soup hot? That's what I'm wondering. Was it a chowder? Was it a chowder? The curdle it probably was. Yeah. The dog's name was Campbell's? No. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) That's horrible. That's not very progresso. Sorry, puppy. Yeah, it's, I mean, the whole common sense thing, I just don't, it's that frame of time. Like, I, how do we, like, that's a good question, I think, is how do we measure common sense, right? And it, how can we compare it from common sense from the past? Like, let's, for instance, in this case, the 1600s, right? Like, where, like, to us, it's like a duh, no-brainer, you know, like, obviously, don't do that. But for them, it wasn't. And people thought this was a good idea. Like, this was an educated man during that time, right? Mm-hmm. He was a scientist. So, like, where do you think the, like, this that sense of common sense comes from, right? Like what I'm actually really curious about that now. I mean, you could argue that situations like this really would spark that like common sense thing. Like, Oh, like, well, I guess this makes sense that you just wouldn't do that. And then it was never done again. Like, Mm. you know, through these failed attempts, I guess you could say people will get more common sense, but I also feel like nowadays people still lack a lot of common sense. It's like the first person that ate an orange was like, okay, let's peel it first. Yeah. You know, know, it's like through time we learn. And I mean, thankfully, now we have the Internet to really help. Mm. And it's interesting because I'll meet a lot like as soon as I want to learn something or I don't know anything about it. I just I look it up. You know, I Google it, even if it seems like unimportant to know about. I'm like, oh, well, I still want to learn. And I'll like talk to people about it. And they're like, oh, I. I, don't, I never really thought about doing that. I'm just like, so you just pretend to know or guess or do something without like looking it up. Like, 
am I weird because I like looking things up before I actually do something? Like, I always want to be at least the best that I can be in a situation and understand something. Mm -hmm. So I'm always trying to like learn more about it. And I'm just like, I see people who don't do that and then they just blindly like mess up or don't know how to do something. I'm just like, dude, just the internet's in your pocket. Like, just look it up. You know, we're, we're not in the days where you could guess and think something could be right. And Granted, I mean, even when it comes to medical procedures, especially things that have never been done before, like there are going to be these weird kind of practices, but we're at the point where we have like some knowledge of like, okay, like I'm not going to inject corn chowder into this (laughs) child, you know, like (laughs) it's, it's weird. And you bring up a point, like when did people really start getting a better sense of what wouldn't work you know because obviously we all have to learn from mistakes but there obviously was a point where we learned from enough mistakes where we stopped having it happen as often and i'm really curious to see kind of when that really took form Hmm. you know yeah it's a it's an interesting idea and i'm wondering now too like thinking at what a lot of things that would be like common sense are things that could do us harm emotionally and physically. So like those all fall into the realm of common sense. But uh, that means that someone had to have gotten hurt or harmed or killed in the practice in order for us to know exactly like, hey, that's bad, right? So I, I guess it had to have happened to somebody in order for us to now know, hey, let's not do that anymore. But I don't know, like, I feel like the for some of these situations, like, you know, like, I don't know, I guess, like, don't hold a metal wire in a thunderstorm. It's like, yeah, no crap. Right. (laughs) Like, that's a bad idea. Don't go golfing in a thunderstorm. There you go. That's a better one. But like, I guess someone had to have gotten hurt first or is it just the fact that we know that metal conducts electricity and that's bad, you know? I mean, something I always think about in these situations is like a head transplant, right? Like it's been something that's been tried before Mm. and common sense tells you like, there's obviously no way. There's too many connections. There's too too many connections and they've tried, like they did it with a dog and I forget there was something like weird that happened. Like, let's see. He grafted the dog's head and upper body, including the front legs, onto another dog. The effort was focused on how to provide blood supply to the donor head and upper body, but not on grafting the nervous systems. And the dogs actually survived a few days. One survived almost a month. But, and they were able, the body parts were able to move and react to stimulus, but obviously it, it died to the transplant rejection. And it's like, common sense tells you like you know with the connections and neural pathways and stuff there's no way like the body could regenerate that stuff quick enough yeah. like yeah we can regenerate a lot of things in our body but when it's something totally different even if it's the same blood type like there's no way unless they're able to experiment enough and figure out a way to like rapidly generate this stuff like 
a practice like that, there's just no way. And they keep doing it. Like, I think the last one they tried was, I think, in 2016. Like, wow. This is something way people are recent. still trying. Yeah. But I'm wondering, if you, like, okay, you said those dogs survived, right? Mm-hmm. But to what extent? Right. Like, were they constantly having blood pumped into them? Were they on machines the whole time? Were they able to actually move? And the whole reaction to stimulus, that just means that they like they poked something and it moved, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's not very clear exactly like the state of survival there. So it, God, that's tough. And it's such a weird practice. I mean, I get it. Like that, that's something that would be like, holy crap, amazing. You know, can you imagine like your whole body goes into complete shutdown and they're able to just move your head to a different one. That's you know, like, so weird. Like, I guess, thanks Futurama for that image. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's, I guess, it's a something that we are trying to do, and I guess that's the same idea of like you know transmitting your consciousness to a different body, but they're actually trying to do like the living, you know, head. I guess. So it's, I don't know. That's weird. <laughs> I mean, it. I feel like people trying to upload their consciousness to like an AI or something would make more sense, you know, granted that could be dangerous too, but, you know, there's people out there that want to do that kind of stuff. And it's like, as long as it's not really harming anybody, it's fine. But when it's like playing with the lives of somebody, it's like, I don't know, like, is it really worth it? Like, unless they practiced enough beforehand on how to like prevent a lot of the issues that would come up. Mm. It almost just, it's too dangerous, really. So we've been talking about animals a lot, and animals aren't the only things that we experiment on in science. Um, We also experiment with food. (laughs) We experiment a lot with, you know, like adding in different, you know, what's the word I'm thinking, like preservatives and um, like the parasitic? Anti-parasitics. Parasitics, yeah. Into foods just to make sure that they can, you know, fend off any attackers or, you know, adding in different levels of protein levels. You know, just changing food around to get the most optimal crop and the most reliable crop. So we do that a lot. Um, (laughs) But we're going to be jumping forward a little bit in time. So we're now in the 1800s. Yeah, we're a couple hundred years into the future. And science still is very strange (laughs) it's still an area in which we don't that we're still trying to figure things out and there's a lot of unregulated scientific practices that are going on still speaking of which um this person august strindberg decided to do an experiment on apples um and mind you this is not a scientist at all he's actually just a swedish playwright who is curious about this (laughs) so he decided to dabble in the world of science too um he wasn't even a gardener. He wasn't a botanist. He, nothing. <laughs> he was just like, whatever. He's just a playwright. Um, but he was actually curious and he had the question in his head, do plants have a nervous system? And that's an interesting question, right? Like plants do grow. They, you know, they reproduce, right? They, they, they do the same things that humans do and there's even some i don't know if the the study was done or thought about during this time but they even say like if you speak nicely to flowers then they start to grow better right like i'm sure a lot of people have heard that yeah the music for plants yeah so there there are those kind of ideas so like i can kind of see where this guy's coming from um, but the way he tries to prove his theory is another one of those, what are you doing, man? <laughs> like, you need to stop doing this. <laughs> so, 
So Strindberg decided to carry around a syringe in his pocket um, and he had morphine in that syringe. So during his morning walks, he would walk around, you know, just, just casual walk through the park with some morphine in your pocket. It's all good. It's 1800s, whatever. Um, and as he walked or as he was walking, uh, he would cross, you know, some vegetable stalls and things like that on the street. And he actually injected vegetation with morphine. And the whole purpose of this is that he wanted to see if these plants would get, you know, quote unquote, high. Um, <laughs> he's trying to get he's trying to get all these plants. Over. Yeah, I know. Right? That, that was my big takeaway from this. I was like, what? What? Like, how? Right. I just want to ask this guy. I want to go back in time and talk to this person and just be like, how can you tell if a plant or an apple is high on morphine right like what is it supposed to do does it get kind of like droopy like me right yeah, it's <laughs> like, like turning like mushy like a blob does and it like, sprout oh. like, does it sprout like grabby hands and it's like give me more <laughs> it storms a little face and you just see it like with its mouth open like Ugh. yeah oh it becomes the annoying orange that's what happened oh this no. is this is the birth of the annoying orange is <laughs> august strindberg <laughs> The Brit the Swedish playwright decided to inject an orange with morphine and we got that. Yeah, then I could see that. <laughs> but it's just another one of those experiments where you're like, what are you doing? Right. And he's not even a scientist and it's not under any sort of like surveillance, really. It's just during his morning walk, he decided to inject different pieces of vegetation with morphine, which is kind of terrifying, right? His who's to say who got that fruit or vegetable and what happened to them like he might have really hurt somebody and speaking on that he actually got arrested for injecting the apples with drugs <laughs> like so he it was uh they said that he was you know potentially harming a bunch of people which obviously is true like it's just not good um but he did eventually get set free. Um, the constable at the time, the reasoning for letting him go was that uh, he was simply a harmless eccentric, not a sinister fruit poisoner. So because sinister he... fruit poisoner. <laughs> That's going to be my band name. <laughs> but so because he didn't have malicious intent and he didn't mean to hurt anyone, um, this was all for the sake of science, remember? Uh, he was able to be let go. He was just eccentric. He's just he looking little... out for the fruits, man. They want to yeah. get lit too. <laughs> right? I bet that constable was like, yo, if you give me some, like, <laughs> then I'll let you go. <laughs> But it's just so such a weird situation where like the 1800s must have been like a crazy time where a playwright could just go out and, you know, like whatever. I'm just going to inject some fruit with some morphine and see what just happens. Go to the store and buy morphine like it's nothing. Right. Like he was able to just get this stuff and just kind of do these outlandish, weird experiments like they were like it's just kind of second nature like no problem no, no big deal right i god it's weird <laughs> i want to put some fentanyl on this corn see if it starts to get soft <laughs> right like what if he just started putting like lie on things like that would have been horrible you know like he could have <laughs> done so much harm to people and they let him go by just saying he was you know just a harmless eccentric He's a little bit odd, that one. So they just let him out into the streets. And I'm sure that's exactly why we had Jack the Ripper 
and all that stuff and never caught him, you know? Like, oh, he's just a little eccentric. It's fine. <laughs> like, there's some weird reasoning there that I just do not understand. Yeah. So, I think that's enough of the blast from the past. I think it's time to talk about some stuff from nowadays. Things that you would think or they sound like they should be during the 1800s and 1600s, right? Like, this, after reading this story, this sounds like exactly something they would have done back then. And I'm, you know what? Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if I see an article tomorrow that someone already did this and proved that it didn't work. And, and they're doing it again, just throwing more money at it this time, right? So, oh boy, this is a weird one too. So Peter Thiel. Peter Thiel is a CEO. I'm sure a lot of people know of him from the wonderful service of PayPal. He is the CEO of PayPal. So think about that. Every time he bought something on eBay, you know, those weird little trinkets, the things that you really didn't need, those Christmas ornaments were that, you know, that weird lunchbox that you thought looked really cool and is totally vintage, man. So you had to buy it. You used PayPal at some point. I think everybody has. Well, yeah, I think you might be interested to know that Peter Thiel has a very mm, hungry desire to seek out eternal youth and to reverse the aging process like a lot of CEOs do. You know, I feel like that's something that we've touched on before, and it just seems more commonplace now where a lot of CEOs of these big major companies are just seeking immortality, right? Like, I guess you kind of have to have that personality in order to be in those positions. You have to be really ruthless and be looking out for yourself like that. Um, yeah, all that money, why not? You know, it's like I could see it like instead of, God forbid, helping other people because, yeah, if they would find a way for them to live longer, it's not like we're going to get it, you know? Right. And I'm sure their argument is, well, if I can live longer, that means that I can provide my service to people for longer. So I'm helping people. You're welcome. Right. Like, it's just I'm sure there's some way that they are totally like spinning it and making it just stupid. <laughs> yeah. So he really is like dying on this cross of like death doesn't have to be inevitable you know like he's really really trying to figure out how to battle that and he actually has been taking human growth hormones for what was it like 20 years or something like that yeah i think so yeah so think about that like he's been taking hgh for 20 years and hgh is unless it was prescribed to him that's completely illegal and he admitted to this in, in an interview and everyone's just like oh he's innovative <laughs> and he's trying something different well it's like that's not okay and hgh does have some really messed up i guess stuff that can happen from it you know like for instance uh one of the guys that i wrestled with in high school he was a preemie baby and they gave him hgh whenever he's younger to help him develop and he ended up taking it for about i think it was like eight years of his life so think about that wow. like from zero to eight you're taking something that's forcing your body to grow up faster than it needs to because you were underdeveloped as a child now in high school, he was a big man. Like his whole family was, you know, average height, but he was over six feet tall. He was completely just like muscle guy, but without having to do anything. He had zero cardio. He like he couldn't lift anything, but he just was he had that natural physique. But one of the big problems that he had was his hands. So his hands overdeveloped whenever he was younger. 
and they grew too fast. And so like the joints in his knuckles like swelled up, like they grew really quickly. Mm-hmm. So he had like really kind of janky hands. It's really strange. But anyway, this guy, Peter Thale, has been taking HGH for 20 years to help. Um, he was trying to alleviate like the aging process, right? And supposedly it helps with arthritis and all this other stuff. So he's trying to, you know, figure that crap out. That's not what we're talking about, though. (laughs) It goes more bizarre than that. Yes, this guy's already messing around with certain things, but now we go to the practice that he's doing that does sound like something that comes straight out of the 1600s. So he's actually looking at, he he has admitted, or he claims (laughs) that he has not done this yet, but there is a lot of money, fig- like dollar amounts that are being thrown around that makes it sound like this actually has happened already. So what he's doing is he's taking the blood of a younger man or a young or youth uh, around 18 years old, I believe is the one that they're testing on and injecting it into himself so that he can stay young, like it can rejuvenate the cells that are currently in his body. Like, come on. Like, I feel like common sense needs to come in here a little bit where it's like, yes, blood is good, you know, like when for transfusions and stuff. But I feel like this is like on that same line of like, really? Like, do you really think that's going to do anything? So he's just justified being like a half blood vampire then. It's true, right? (laughs) That's very true. Doesn't this have like the nickname of like vampire injections or vampiric injections or something like that? I mean, that would make sense. Yeah. It's a little, God, it's such a weird practice, but what what's your take on this practice here? Like, what, what do you think of this, this blood transfusions of the <sighs> youth? Not for, you know, any other medical reasons other than to reverse your age. I know that there's been studies put out very recently saying like how younger blood can actually help with some kind of regrowth in certain things. But doing it just like that, because it's like, is he actually like when he gets these injections, like, are they actually studying and doing research on it? Or is he just getting them done and then hoping that it's going to do something, you know? And, you know, if they were researching and see like if it's actually doing anything by taking samples, like, okay, like that's, hey, it's his money. If he wants to try and experiment that, go ahead. But if he's just doing it on the hopes that it'll work. It just sounds needless, you know, like that's Mm -hmm. something that should be done like in a lab to see like, oh, let's see if this actually regenerates anything. Because I mean, when you think about it, it's like in the most, I don't know the word to say without having to look up information, it would seem to make a lot of sense that if you get a new heart from someone younger, like, oh, this organ's going to last a lot longer than the one that you had if you were 50. Oh, let's transfer these organs from a younger person over to you. And you have all these new insides. Well, if you get new younger blood in your stream, like you think that, hey, this is going to prolong me for like another 80 years or something like in a very like simple minded way, like that would just make total sense. Mm -hmm. But I think we're at the day and age where right now doing exactly that isn't going to change anything, right? Like they would need to come up with a way to really rewrite the body and just experimenting with like, 
a young person's blood. Like, what if this person's not actually really like all as healthy as they think? Or, you know, what? There's got to be some side effect to this. Well, and if they're 18 years old, like the this article says that the blood is like they're not. I mean, they're kids still, right? Like they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're signing up for. Like they could be contributing to something really horrible at the same time. But I guess like for me, this feels like it's almost on the same level. Like we mentioned in our biohacking episode, actually, the poop transfusions, right? Like it's that kind of same idea where they took poop from, if you guys don't, haven't listened to that episode, I suggest you do. It's a fun one. <laughs> but they they actually took poop from the intestine, like the large intestines of one person and put it into another person. And the second person was able to then produce different, um, oh God, what's the word? Different enzymes uh, that were not native to their body and it helped them battle certain things. And it did supposedly have some strange reactions too where the um, recipient of the poop transfusion mm. <laughs> apparently acquired a sweet tooth whenever before they never liked sweets and they accredited that to the enzymes requiring different types of sugars that his body wasn't normally getting because it wasn't something that he craved and his enzymes weren't um, needing them at that time so it's very strange but I guess I can kind of see where this idea is coming from in a sense uh, it just still feels so bizarre and out there. And the I, only thing that feels really weird about it, though, is like, okay, if they're doing eighteen-year-olds now and they're noticing like there's some positives to it. Granted, there's a lot of legal reasons, but what's them to say? Well, let's let's use the blood from babies or something younger, right? You know, where it's really like young and you know, pure, I guess you could say, like, it's, like, what would be really stopping? Like, obviously, the laws would prevent it, but you know there'd be people out there trying to do it the illegal way by, like, I don't know, either mass-producing children or stealing children and doing this kind of thing. Like, I mean, I know this is kind of sounding more like conspiracy theory, but, like, what if that possibility happened where they were like, oh, well, like, this 10-year-old's blood is, like, even better than an 18 year old's blood like right right. once that's found out like what's stopping people from acquiring that in any means possible and then it's like well now we're having a whole nother problem on our hands in the world you know it sounds like the plot of some really crazy sci-fi movie right yeah like or like honestly if i ever do like a modern day D &D campaign i'm putting that in like how yeah, kind of cool. How crazy would that be? Like as a setting, right? Like the big, like the big reveal is like this guy has been kidnapping children, not for the reasons you think, but because he wants to be immortal, so he's taking their blood, right? Like, oh god, that sounds crazy. But it sounds like it, it, it sounds like sci-fi, but it's real. It's legit. We're doing it right now, and the only reason, the only thing that's stopping them currently from acquiring younger blood is the consent part. Right. Mm -hmm. Children cannot consent. So there's no way like unless the laws change or, you know, parents are able to freely give consent for their children. We like 18 is going to be the limit. And you know that they want to go younger than that to test out the theories. Um, You mentioned, too, like the idea of this being done in a lab or like being studied by an accredited, you know, group. Um, 
I got some news, but it actually is being studied by an accredited group, and it's unfortunate, and it sound makes it sound even worse for some reason <laughs> in my mind. So Thiel, like supposedly, is spending forty thousand dollars a quarter on this, right? Um, he claims that he hasn't started anything yet, but that means that he's he's spending all this money on this research and development. And guess who's getting that money? That is Stanford. Stanford is the one that is doing these tests and these experiments, and Thiel is paying for it, basically. And that is just a kind of a scary thought to think about, where it's like this actually is a well-reputable, right? Like everybody knows Stanford. It has, you know, it's it's a big school. Like it's, I would say it's one, like an area that would do these practices in a, like the right way, but it just feels wrong, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's crazy to think about that. It's like, yeah, no, Stanford's doing this. But then again, Stanford also did that, um, I talked about another episode. I keep bringing back other episodes. And I swear you guys don't need to listen to every episode if you're new to this channel. And this is your first episode of hopping in. But, you know, there's a lot of things we talk about here. And there's a lot of connections that are made. Um, But they invented a robot to gauge emotion um, and to try and figure out. uh, It was emotion and beauty. And they were trying to see, like, what was actually, like, beautiful, um, like, as far as, like, human faces go. And then mm-hmm. there was that adverse effect of it where they found out that they could, um, with like 80% certainty, find out if someone was gay just by their picture. <laughs> and this AI was able to learn that. This is also from Stanford. So Stanford does some weird ass experiments. And that would be really something really fun to look into is some of the weird things that have come out of Stanford because it is so accredited in such a big, you know, like well-known like entity the amount of leeway and what they're able to kind of mess with and get away with. I'm kind of curious about that now. I would like to do some research on that. But yeah. So there's, like I said, medical science is out there. It's bizarre. We've done some crazy things throughout the throughout history. We've experimented a lot on different, you know, species, animals, plants, humans. We've done a lot of things in the name of science. And a lot of this stuff, now looking back at it, we can definitely say, you know, this is common sense. We shouldn't do that. But during that time, we have to remember, we have to put ourselves into that mindset of they didn't know better. And we kind of have to give them benefit of the doubt, right? Because if it wasn't for these outlandish, crazy experiments, we wouldn't have the technology that we have today. We wouldn't have the life-saving procedures that we have today. If it wasn't for that dog filled with soup, we wouldn't have blood transfusions, right? Like, And Theo wouldn't be able to inject 18-year-old blood into his veins to try and live forever. You know, like it, it's a weird thing that is just kind of necessary and it just feels kind of wrong at the same time. So where is the... You know, where's the morals there? Where, Where's the line, I guess, mm-hmm. is the big question. So I don't think there's an answer for that. And if you guys have a line or if you're curious about this or you want to chat with us, reach out to us on socials. We're always there. We'd love to talk to you guys. We want to build up this community. But I think that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you guys so much for joining in on this conversation. And we will be talking to you guys next week with another set of crazy moral and ethical dilemmas that we have found. Uh, But yeah, until then, see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.